Okay. All right. Well, I don't know if we should talk about the Bhagavatam or Ashoka. No. <laughs> so we finished on which verse? Uh, 23. Okay, so we're reading the Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 22, uh, and we're up to text 24. And this is uh, a discussion between the four Kumara, well, yeah, the four Kumaras and, and the great king Prithu, who's a, so they're all pure devotees. And they're having this amazing conversation. And as I mentioned in the email, it's really, it was really tricky for me to find which verses to cover because like, all the purports were so powerful in this section that I was uh, struggling to choose which ones to go over. Um, but let's, let's start and see uh, how it goes. A candidate for spiritual advancement must be nonviolent. And the first word, first word is ahimshaya which means, of course, nonviolence, ahimsa. We all know that word. Um, must follow in the footsteps of great acharyas. Must always remember the nectar of the pastimes of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Must follow the regulated principles without material desires. And while following the regulated principles should not blaspheming others. A devotee should live a very simple life and not be disturbed by the dualities of opposing elements. He should learn to tolerate them. So here's so many instructions just here about being uh, nonviolent. And nonviolent uh, has a number of meanings, right? It's, uh, of course, we know, non, uh, literally, you shouldn't harm other people. And, of course, it, it, and then it's extended to animals, right? And it's also extended to how we actually deal with people. Hare Krishna, Nandamukhi, good to see you how we deal with people. Uh, our speech in general should be pleasing to others and not offend others. Because here it says, should, uh, should um, be, live simply and uh, not blaspheming others. So we could get into a whole discussion about this. But oftentimes we, we, um, we speak ill of others because we make assumptions about them and their uh, intentions and... and uh, and we don't take the time to talk to them and hear them out and hear things from their point of view. And, to, and usually by that empathy, a lot of misunderstandings can be... Uh, of course, that's my profession. But I just had this experience <laughs> the other day. Uh, I was doing a mediation in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And the people were like, just... How did you show this to us? But just trying to get them to talk to each other and understand one another. And ultimately, they, it, it was magical. They apologized to one another. They embraced each other. They were, they were both Native Americans. So they were saying how, yes, well, we're both just strong Navajo women. What can I say? And, uh, you know, but it was just getting them to see beyond what they think the other person was like and to find out the, the nature of them. So um, for a devotee, that, that, takes on a, uh, that goes to a higher level because we see everyone ultimately as brother and sister, that we're all the same father. And uh, we have common interests, ultimately. Um, so here a saintly person is, is in teaching Prithu Maharaj this. So then the next verse says, A devotee should gradually increase the culture of devotional service by constantly hearing of the transcendental qualities of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. These pastimes are like ornamental decorations on the ears of devotees. Isn't that interesting? Hearing about Krishna is like, I guess, like earrings, <laughs> so to speak, you know, ornamental decorations. 
By rendering devotional service and transcending the material qualities, one can easily be fixed in transcendence to the Supreme Personality of God. So we talked about this last week, but that simple point that really um, we, are, we very much are what we listen to, what we hear, what we read, who we talk to. It so much affects, there's a saying uh, in Portuguese, right? we talked about that before, right? That, uh, tell me who you associate with, I'll tell you who you are. Right? So we often, um, so, it's so, so part of the intelligence is choosing what we choose to read, what we choose to hear about, who we choose to, as they say in America, hang out with. Because that very much affects our consciousness. We're, we're, um, it's sometimes we're compared to crystals. Right? If you take a clear crystal and you put it on this uh, cover of the microphone, it'll, turn, it'll seem green. Right? And you put it on this table, it'll, it'll seem brown. You put it on this uh, bridge bossy uh, <laughs> eyeglass case, I bought this in Brindavan, it'll look pink. You know, it, we are very much affected by what we associate with, who we associate with, and what we hear, right? Like, look in America today, right? You know, you, if, you, if, you, if you have a certain mindset, then you tend to want to listen to Fox News or hear, uh, what's that guy's name, Rush Limbaugh or whatever, yeah, right? You want to hear that, and then you become more and more absorbed in that kind of consciousness, right? And if you have a different, then you read Huffington Post, and you listen to what, um, um, The Daily Show or whatever, and that reinforces your views on things, right? And, it, um, and there's very little trying to understand one another. So here is the suggestion that transcend both conservative and liberal, uh, communist and democrat, this and that, and hear about Krishna, hear about God, and get absorbed in something that's transcendental to, to the mundane, and that uplifts one's consciousness. And then one can develop the kind of qualities that we heard in the last verse, right, of uh, nonviolence um, and uh, et cetera. So any thoughts on that? Yes, Andy? Well, I have to say this. Um, yep. Concerning duality, you mentioned the Huffington Post. <laughs> they had an article, I can send you the link if you want, about Tulsi Gabbard. She may have problems because of her association with a cult. With a cult. Oh, yeah, yeah. But they usually don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she's totally, she doesn't care. She, she, was, she had a, she, of course, it's, uh, they're, they're not talking about ISKCON per se. They're talking about a, well, it's, um, a, a connected group. Yes, I know. I'm familiar. But, uh, but she, led, she led a kirtan in New York City. That, you know, it's all over the internet. <laughs> she, she, uh, she's a very interesting person. Yeah, I mean, but she, she I, well, we shouldn't get into politics. That's yeah, but anyone know Tulsi? I, I, we, we met her a little bit uh, when she was at the 50th anniversary of ISKCON. And it's interesting because she went to uh, a Native American reservation last week that I happened to visit regularly for my job. So I thought I might contact her and share uh, notes on that. But I won't bother her now. She's in the midst of, a, she's in the midst of something. Um, when a person becomes devoid of all material desires, next verse, and liberated from all material qualities, he transcends distinctions between actions executed externally and internally. 
At that time, the difference between the soul and the supersoul, which was existing before self-realization, is annihilated. When the dream is over, there is no longer a distinction between the dream and the dreamer. But it's important to understand, if we read that verse, um, we have to read Prabhupada's purport, because he's talking about the oneness of us and God is not that we merge into God. We always remain individual identities, but we become one in interest. Right? Just like a, a good husband and wife, or let's say husband and wife, a good relationship is they become one in interest in bringing up a nice child. Right? But they don't become, the husband and wife don't become one. <laughs> they're still a husband, they're still a wife. But they have a merged interest in working together to bring up a, a, a nice child. Right? So similarly, uh, here Prabhupada says, this is the stage of oneness um, or merging into the existence of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This means that the individual soul, while keeping his individuality, no longer has separate interests. He is fully in the service of the Lord and he has nothing to do for his personal sense gratification. Therefore, he sees only the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Like that, and it goes on to say, let's talk about that more. So, is that clear? Any questions about that? Because it's a, it's an important point um, that uh, just like Madhvacharya, he was uh, seen going like this, right? Of course, it's funny that it has different meanings now in different parts of the world, and in the '60s it meant peace, right, and things like that. But he, he went like this because he always wanted to be careful that we understand there's God and the individual, and it wasn't like this. It was like this. <laughs> When the soul exists for sense gratification, it creates different desires. And for that reason, it becomes subjected to designations. But when one is in the transcendental position, he is no longer interested in anything except fulfilling the desires of the Lord. So that's, that's an interesting point, um, this word designations. Sanskrit, it's, uh, or he, it's upadi. Anyone familiar with that word? Upadi means designation, right? And so, in this world, we have so many designations. And it's natural, right? We have men and women is a designation, right? And we have to follow that designation. You know, when I'm traveling through the airport, I have to make sure I go in the right bathroom, not go in the wrong bathroom, right? And things like that. Uh, um, and we have designations as in our occupation, right? You're a PhD or a PhD candidate. So that's one of your designations, right? Um, and uh, Vishnu is uh, the leader of a uh, NGO, and that's one of his designations, right? And uh, we have a designation based on where we were born, right? And we relate to these designations, don't we? If, I, if you meet somebody from your hometown, let's say you're, you're traveling in uh, Mexico, and um, where are you from, Prabhu? Chennai. So you're traveling in Mexico, and you sit down, and the person sits next to you in the next, and you, and you hear them talking in uh, Telugu? Tamil, sorry, Tamil. Uh, and you go, oh, where are you from? They say, Chennai. Oh, right immediately. There's, like, there's a bondage there, right? There's a bond, a, bond, a bonding there, right? <laughs> right? So we, we, we very much relate to our different designations, right? If we meet someone who has the same uh, sports team as us, Right, oh, and if we meet someone who's um, has a different sports team than that, like the rival, right? Or unfortunately, in parts, at least in parts of India, 
you just mentioned the word Pakistan, and they go, oh, right. right, isn't it? Isn't it? You know, it's just been, even though really it was one country for until the British and divvied it up. And um, so here it's saying that we can um, we can transcend those. They, they, obviously, as long as we have this body, we're going to remain a man and a woman. Obviously, you know, and 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 we and we don't change our place of birth and and all those things. But uh, transcending that ultimately means that we, 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 our identity is that of uh, part and parcel of God, part and parcel of Krishna. And ultimately, Krishna is God's servant. That's, our, that's, that's the uh, identity that we want to create. Because all of these identities, of course, that we just mentioned, they end with the end of this body. Right? As they used to say in uh, World War II, that they would sometimes bury the Germans and the Allied forces in the same, you know, you know, dust. To, what does the Bible say? Dust to dust, ashes, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Right. So, but our eternal identity, who we really are, the soul inside the body. Right. That's who we really are. So, so what we're trying to do is sarvopadi vinirmuktam to overcome these. Not to overcome, but to more associate uh, toward to think of ourselves as God's servant, and then we use our upadis as uh, in service to God. Right. So we have some management skills. We try to help the temple manage things, or we have some speaking abilities. We talk about uh, Krishna. Whatever we use, our, we we use our upadis in the service, and they become purified. But ultimately, when you think about it, they are um, temporary, and we don't even know what our upadi was in our last life, or our previous life, or our previous life, or our previous life. And according to the Bhagavad Gita, we've had so many lifetimes. We had so many lifetimes, right? When uh, Chitraketu Maharaj. Uh, when his son died, and then Narada Muni came and revived the child's and brought him back to life. Great sadhus can sometimes do some miracles. And uh, Chitraketu said, My son, my son, my son. And the son was like, Which father are you? I've had so many. That doesn't mean we don't love our children, doesn't mean we don't love our wife or love our husband. Um, but we also keep in we keep the perspective that actually we're eternal, and therefore, if we, when we really love our children, really love our spouse, we we try to deal with them primarily on a spiritual level, like that, and help one another because real love is showing that that affection through uh, helping us together come to a spiritual platform. So, some thoughts on upadis. Yes, Mahamantra Prabhu. So my question is, Prabhu, it's, it's natural, like uh, you said, meeting a person from the hometown or same language. Yes. So we we feel some, I don't know whether it's a relief or uh, some uh, kind some of connection. Some connection. Connection. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But um, what I was thinking is, but as long as it doesn't lead to a discrimination, 
Yeah, it's innocent. Uh, yeah, I wasn't like poo-pooing it like, oh, this is, you know, next time you meet somebody from, where are you from? Andhra, bro. And you're from Andhra. Next time you meet someone from Andhra, you go, oh, Andhra. Yeah. Useless place. Yeah. <laughs> no, not like that. But it's just or, putting... It's just putting on the others, like... Yeah, the best place in the world. Yeah, I was. I think I told you this that one time I was giving a class, and because uh, one of the in the scriptures it talks about um, Boma Ijadi, that someone we, we have a tendency to think of our place of birth as worshipable. I mean, not maybe not like literally you offer arti to it, but we just think it's it's an important place, right? So I was giving a class like that, and my son was in the class, and he raised his hand, and he's a wise guy, right? So he said, "Well." I was born in Vrindavan, that my, my place of birth is worshipable. <laughs> Shut up, kid. <laughs> Wise guy. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it's good to be aware. Because ultimately, if we, as a sadhu, yeah. we should be as affectionate to someone from Andhra yes. as from Lahore. Right? Or, um, you know, Kuwait or wherever. That's because so we're all brothers and sisters. As long as we don't discriminate because the yeah. guy is from Lahore. Yeah, but it's kind of natural, you know. But but you can you could know, say, oh, okay, well, you're from under also. Hey, by the way, here, take one of these books, you know, <laughs> whatever. You can we can use that. But we the the soul is looking for connections. Right. We're looking for connections, mm-hmm. right? So in one sense, what we're talking about is just um, adding, if, if we're saying adjusting, or we could say adding the connection of like-minded people spiritually. Not just because we're from the same town or we have the same profession or whatever, but uh, having being in contact with people of the same spiritual interests, because then we can help one another grow spiritually. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, actually, because uh, 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 just to think, because I work with Vishnu Prabhu um, uh, sometimes in his in his organization. And you're also, you're looking for like-minded people who are social entrepreneurs. And there's a whole, you know, you have a whole um, process to see if they're up to scratch to be good enough in, their, in, their, in that entrepreneurship to be part of your organization. You're actually more discriminated than we are. We just say, come on, everybody. <laughs> and, it's, and it's gone, right? Yeah, uh, microphone for Vishnu. Thank you, Prabhu. I was just thinking that when we have these designations, how do we not make it exclusive, right? Yes, I think that's the point. Yeah. I think that's right, yeah. And that's why we need the Shastra to broaden our vision. Because otherwise our vision tends to be, you know, same sports team, same country, same town, whatever, you know, and, and have a commonality in that. And that blocks out all these people, right? But the Shastra is saying, Sarva Yonishu Kontaya? Some of what is that? Some of Amurtaya, Aham Bija Pradapita. Krishna saying Aham, he's saying he. Aham Bija, he's the seed-giving father of everyone. Yeah. So, so that's what kind of what the what the Shastra is doing is like um, giving us a, a new set of glasses, right, to see the world more, much more broadly. But, okay. Yeah. So even like this word Praja. I mean, how many people think, uh, okay, nonviolence refers to the animals also? And that they actually, in the Vedic system, they were considered citizens of the country as much as the humans. And so the, the, the duty of the government was to protect the humans and the other praja as well. 
So that's really broad, broadening it, isn't it? Yeah. Any other thoughts? Okay, then we'll continue once my computer wakes up again. Okay. Text one. Yes. Would I explain more about simple living? <laughs> what is simple living? Actually, it was a, it was a phrase that Prabhupada got from uh, Gandhi. Gandhi said, "Simple, high li simple living and high thinking." Right, so we, we want to avoid high living and simply thinking. <laughs> right. uh, <clears throat> it's, well, as your point, as uh, people on the, a lot of people hear the recording, so the question was, how do you, uh, how do we explain simple living with, with people with so much technology and, uh, and uh, the whole idea of climbing the ladder of success, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it is more of a challenge. And we've talked about this before, so I, I hope I'm not repeating myself too much, right? But um, uh, that uh, t the, the poet T.S. Eliot considered newspapers a huge distraction in the 1930s when he wrote his poetry. He wrote a line called, distracted from distractions by distractions. So just imagine what he would have said about an iPhone, right? Where the whole world is practically here in your, uh, right? You can, you can find out of anything, you know, you want to know how many people live in Chennai? How long would it take you to find that out? About 30 seconds? Right. Imagine what it would have been like 30 years ago. To find out how many people live. You'd have to drive to the library. And it'd still be, you'd still probably be 10 outdated information. But here, you, you know, <laughs> right? Um, so it is, it, is, it is harder to do that. Um, to live, to have simple living and high thinking in, in this day and age because there are so many distractions. So it takes more dritta uh, brata, right? This word, uh, determination. Um, and at the same time, it's the same as it was for us as it was for the sages of yesteryear or even in, in India or other who lived in the Himalayas, right? To... Um, Smartavya satatam vishnu vismartavya najatuchit to always remember Krishna and never forget him. And sarva vidhi nisay that's your etayor eva kinkara that uh, everything else should be a servant to that principle. So even if we have a very complicated job, again, I'll, I'll pick, I'm picking on Vishnu just because I know his job so well. He has a very complicated job because he's dealing with personnel issues a lot. He has, he has a lot of people who work under him. And when you deal with people, it's complicated. <laughs> just by the nature of it's right, um, but if we're doing our occupation, whatever our occupation is, um, physics isn't that yours? Yes, um, IT, right? Me, lazy bum. Uh, um, we somehow find a way in the com in the complexity of our life to connect it to Krishna. I'm doing this job, it has so many complexities, but I'm remembering, I'm maintaining a family, uh, trying to bring them up as devotees, uh, trying to give some of the fruits of my work to Krishna, and, and, and trying to maybe you know, bring prasadam to the workplace sometimes, or whatever, and find connections 
with the complexity to the simplicity. The simplicity is to remember how beautiful, look how beautiful you see, look at those huge sunflowers that Radharani has in her hand and all those beautiful uh, pink roses around Krishna, things like that, right? So, so, so to, um, uh, what did Prabhupada say once? Uh, simple for the simple and difficult for the complicated, something along those lines? Crooked, okay, for the crooked, right. So, so we try to keep a simple heart even if we're dealing with so many complexities. Right? You're, you're doing you know, stuff, for, I won't even mention, you're, uh, an organization we shouldn't talk about. <laughs> no, defense, he works in defense. Uh, but you know, that's very complicated stuff. You're doing with really high-level, you know, high uh, confidential things. But we can still keep our heart simple in, in that complexity. Does that make sense? Is that all right, uh, Keshua? Okay. Anything else? Yes, my mantra. The last sentence you said is like really very soothing because you're saying that the world is full of complexities and we have a active part sometimes we have to take active part but at the same time we can keep the heart simple. Yes. By the principle of devotional service. Am I right, Prabhu? Yes. And keeping the heart simple doesn't mean uh, being naive. Right? You know, you could be, yes, I'm very simple hearted, and this used car salesman says that, uh, you know, <laughs> starts saying all these things about, oh, well, I just believe him blindly because, you know, I'm a simple hearted person. No. You know, we, we may have to deal with the, this world in an uh, intelligent way. Srila Prabhupada was very, uh, obviously, so pure-hearted, right? And so fixed on Krishna. But he, he was not naive. <laughs> when he saw that, uh, when he, they were doing construction in India, and he saw that they were mixing sand with the cement, <laughs> he, he immediately caught them and you know, chastised them and things like that. So he was not in the least bit naive. So, in other words, the simplicity of the heart comes from devotional service, not from... Uh, yeah. It's kind of like, you know, he once said, uh, we should be lions on the chase and lambs at home. So when we're dealing with this world, sometimes we have to deal with it, and, you know. But when we're with, in the association of like-minded devotees, then we want to make sure that as a general rule, we uh, assume good intentions... And we, we, we let our guard down that we have to have sometimes in the material world to let Krishna and Krishna's devotees' affection touch our heart. So making that distinct. We don't want to be uh, uh, lambs on the chase and lions at home. <laughs> we <don't wanna laughs> sometimes we may, we may do like that. Right? So, yes. Only because of different causes does a person see a difference between himself and others, just as one sees the reflection of a body appearing differently manifest on water, on oil, or in mirrors? So the point there is just that there are so many differences. We are, we, we, different genders, the different parts of the world that we're from, different levels of intelligence, different levels of wealth. There's so many differences in the world. And along with that, we see the similarities. 
that we're all brothers and sisters with the same father. And, and it's, it's, it's a juxtaposition of two seemingly contradictory things, but they're not. They're just, uh, um, of course, we want to fo focus on this one because this one so ever, it comes naturally. <laughs> it's natural to see all the differences. But to remember that behind all of the coverings and a person's meanness and, and that used car salesman's lies and all that stuff is ultimately a brother or sister. So we deal practically on one level and also try to give them a chance to hear about Krishna on another level. Because that's ultimately who, who we all are. It's a question of identity. Who do we, when we look in the mirror, what do we see? You know, there's this new app that, uh, I, I haven't tried it or anything, I, I, it's probably too late for me, but it, it takes, like, let's say uh, a young person, okay? If you, right, if it takes a picture of you, it shows you we're gonna, you're going to look when you're old. Yeah, what is it called, is anyone? Face app, yeah, yeah, right? So, um, so what is our identity? Is our identity the, uh, I don't know, 25-year-old Nandamuki, is that right, 25? 28, okay. Or is it the 58-year-old Nandamuki who's going to look different? Or the 78-year Nandamuki who's going to look different? Right? Which face is the real Nandamuki? Right? It, um, that's the first teaching in the Bhagavad Gita. That we're not the 28 or the 38 or the 58 or the 78 face. We're the, we're the, the thing that's remained the same while the body has changed. And that's who we really are. So... It's an interesting app. I, I, have you tried it? No. It must cost money or something. Or maybe free? Okay. I wonder if... <laughs> sounds like the kind of thing a devotee would put together. <laughs> you know, like, give you a real reality check. Yes, Prabhu? So again, uh, they added a feature that you can go 10 years back younger. You can go younger also? Yeah. And when you do the younger one, it doesn't look anything like you used to be 10 years back. Acha. <laughs> <laughs> it actually, you know, makes you feel better that you may not look that may look, <laughs> Or you may look worse. <laughs> may look worse. But it's just, you know, it's just, uh, it's just like when Srila Prabhupada, towards the end of his life, when he was, uh, you know, bedridden, and uh, he turned to his 20-something disciples and said, do not think this will not happen to you. Because it's, it's just, a, you know, one thing that we try to do as devotees is we learn that Ram Ram, Kyakare, right? This is going to happen. We're going to get old. We're going to die. It's, you know, it's so, Krishna is so clear. Janma Mrityu Jiravyati Dukkha Doshanu Darshanam. He's so clear. He says that the, 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 the three things that you're certain about, right? They have a joke in America, death and taxes. You know, but we know you can try to avoid taxes. But you can't avoid getting old, unless you die prematurely. Uh, you can't avoid getting diseased, and you can't avoid dying. So those are the sure things. Your, your sports team may or may not. The, the, the promotion that your boss promised you, you may or may not get. The weather may or may not be good today. But those things are absolutely certain. Krishna, you know, he nailed it, as we say in America. He got it completely right, right? That, and he says, a sadhu, uh, dukkha doshanu darshanam, remembers those things. And so as, as we go through the ups and downs, especially the ups, it's good to remember that there's something beyond the ups.
like that. When one's mind and senses are attracted to sense objects for enjoyment, the mind becomes agitated. As a result of continually thinking of sense objects, one's real consciousness almost becomes lost, like the water in a lake that is gradually sucked up by the big grass straws on its banks. So, so really, um, the point here is we have two choices, although there is a spectrum of how um, to the degree that we accept, but on the two ends is thinking only about ourselves and our own pleasure, and on the other far end, thinking only of Krishna's pleasure and doing everything for his pleasure. And, usually, and probably everyone in this room is somewhere along that spectrum. Right? And what the Bhagavatam is, you know, remember the Bhagavatam the second verse says, Dharma projikta kaitravata paramo nirmatsaranam satam. That is really, uh, although it talks about so many things, it's really aiming at this, this end, prema bhakti, pure love, pure everything for Krishna, for his pleasure. That, that, we, that we may do so many things, that doesn't mean we quit our job and you know, become a, a, a sannyasi overnight. That, that we could still, stanestita. Uh, you can stay in your position, you can, but, but, but this whole thing of trying to do everything for Krishna's pleasure, taking care of our family nicely and loving them for Krishna's pleasure, you know, doing our job, all the things, we, even you know, the things that we have to do to maintain our body. right? Um, so what's saying here is that the result of this is anxiety, is... Um, and it's ultimately kind of failure because even as much as you want to do everything for yourself, especially as we get older and the senses get weaker and this and that, you, you don't enjoy so much. So the more we can be working towards this end and doing things for Krishna's pleasure, um, freedom from anxiety. Um, it's, it, that verse in the 11th canto says that uh, uh, you get satisfaction, freedom from from uh, misery and happiness. And the example is given just like a hungry person with every morsel of food that they, if they get. A, you know, you're really hungry, right? It's like Janmastami, and you fast until midnight, and then someone puts this wonderful plate of prasadam in front of you with all these wonderful preparations. And with every morsel, with every bite, you get freedom from hunger, you get satisfaction, you get pleasure. So that verse is saying similarly, for one who absorbs, to the extent that we absorb ourselves in Krishna's pleasure, we get freedom from miseries, satisfaction, and happiness. So if we want to be happy, even if we care about our own happiness, this is really the way to do it. It's counterintuitive that the more you actually think of Krishna's pleasure, you think of God's pleasure, and the less you think about your own pleasure, the more actual pleasure you get. And the more you think about, you know, as George Harrison wrote that song, all through the day, I me mine, I me mine, I me mine. We're just thinking about myself and my little orbit. And we, then the more we, we just kind of get frustrated. It's a very interesting counterintuitive thing that happens there. So that's what's being said here. Um, that as a result of continually thinking about ourselves, we, we, we lose our real consciousness like the water in a lake that is gradually sucked up by the big straw 
grass straws on its banks. And so this is an important sentence here. The material desire, this is from the purport, the material desire for sense enjoyment is the cause of our fall down in the material world. And thus we suffer the threefold miseries. What are the threefold miseries? Our scholar? Aribotic, Aridaivic, and Aryatmic. And what do they mean? What's that? No, okay, that's another one. You got, you got another list, but that's a good list also. <laughs> uh, miseries caused by others, other living entities. By natural, that's right, natural things, the weather and all that, yeah. And uh, probably the worst one, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Like uh, Frank Zappa, anyone heard of him? No, you're lucky if you haven't. But he was a, you've heard of Frank Zappa. He was a musician. But he, he wrote this one song that uh, he said, what is the ugliest part of your body? Some, things, some people say it's this, some people say it's your toes, but I say it's your mind. <laughs> yeah, he got that right, yes. So, um, so the threefold miseries and continuous birth, death, old age, and disease. However, if we turn our desires, and this is an important word, we turn our desires towards the transcendental loving service of the Lord. Our desires become purified. We cannot kill desires. We have to purify them of different, and there's that word, designations. So this is, this, this is what's so important. This is one of the main points that we're going to be, uh, comes up in the next few verses, is you can't say, okay, material life, I get that. Just thinking about myself, that's not good. So I'm going to just negate those. And that's it. It doesn't, the, uh, it doesn't pur purify our desires. Our desires become purified when we think, oh, I really want to please Krishna. I really want to serve Krishna's devotees. This all, yeah, it's not that we just negate desires. We have to uh, replace them with spiritual desires. And anyone, even today, uh, today when they, all the there's so many, not so many, but there's a number of really good books on um, changing habits. You know, the one by uh, a, a New York Times journalist, and his name is escaping me right now, called The Power of Habits. And they talk about, uh, they talk about this, that you, you, um, you have to, they, the example is given that an alcohol, uh, why has why Alcoholics Anonymous been so, successful, right? They didn't, because they didn't just say stop drinking, right? They, what they did was people in the 30s, this is when it started in the 30s, people would go to bars and drink. And part of the pleasure that they got was not just from the drinking, but from the sangha, the association. So what they did was they, they, uh, just, changed, they, they just changed the venue and they had AA meetings where you get the same pleasure of the sangha, but in a different venue, right? So you didn't, they didn't just say stop meeting people because that wouldn't have worked. After a while, you just go back to the bar because you want to meet people, you want to hang out, right? We're social animals. But they just substituted this meeting with people with that meeting of people. So here we have these desires and we just substitute those for the desires to serve Krishna. We can't, we are not desireless. 
the, 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 the nature of the soul is to want love, to want a friendship, to want camaraderie, to have desires, to want. So it's just a question of what do we want, right? And, and the great acharyas, they're talking about this word lolium. They use this word lolium. What does lolium mean? Greed. It's intense greed, right? So we think oh, that's really bad, right? You know, greed is one thing. Intense greed is like, you know, you get really upset when the, your neighbor comes home with a Lexus and you only have a Camry. And you think, oh, I got I to, gotta, you know, outdo that guy. All right, you know, you know I'm going to get a whatever, a Maserati, you know, just to show them, right? right? But, but our acharyas say, no, we should have intense greed. Tatra loyam apimulyam ekalam. But that intense greed should be that greed to please Krishna, to serve Krishna. And then you don't even have to worry about giving, overcoming bad habits. They, they, become, they become, we become disinterested. The, the word is not vairagya, it's viraktir. viraktir. Vairagya means renunciation, right? And like it, it indicates in some context, kind of like forcing ourselves, Right? But viraktir means indifference. It means like it just doesn't make any, you know, any sense anymore. It's kind of like, I give the example right when I, used to, when I first moved to India and we would um, go, um, I guess it was like third class on the trains, right? And so everyone's speaking Hindi because I, I was in, living in North India. I was living in UP in Vrindavan. So I take the train to, to Delhi. And uh, I learned some Hindi over the years, not that much, not like my son who speaks fluently, but, um, you know, people were speaking, you know, how they'd sit next to each other and they'd share their paratas, you know, how, right? And they had the chutney and the whole thing, they'd sit facing each other on the seats, right? And all that, you know, especially on overnight trips. Um, and they were all speaking in Hindi. And for me, it was all just like white noise, because I had no idea. It just didn't make any sense to me. Right? It was just, right? So, that's what happens to a devotee when, they, when we become so absorbed in pleasing Krishna. Doing selfish sense gratification just like doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you want to do that? You just, it's just not the furthest thing from your mind because you have this param dristva, this higher taste. We were talking about this yesterday in the car. This param dristva. So that um, comes up a lot in this section, but it's such an important point in spiritual practice is to replace things, not just, oh, you know. I mean, you know, we, we, we are careful. You know, we, we don't just walk into a, a, a brothel or something and say, it's all right, I'm Krishna conscious, I'm not attracted to, you know. No, you know, we're not. We're, we're, we're careful about where we go and who we associate with. But um, this point about uh, we cannot kill desires, it's part of who we are. It, it, it's, it's, no, it's, it's not part. It's the essential part of who we are. What's that? Yes, the desires are the calm commitment. Uh, what was the word? Factor of the soul. Any thoughts on desires? Yes, Jiva? Hare Krishna. So it's very interesting that we talk about desires, like, you know, a living entity has desires, and further when we look down, why does a living entity has desires? Because living entity is pleasure-seeking. Right. The mind. Uh, thank you for bringing that up. Yes. So, again, there are different stages 
when in material life one goes through, you know, pranamaya, you know, and then you can like go to manomaya, and then you can rise above jnanamaya, vijnanamaya, and then finally that pleasure seeking. At each level, the category of pleasure is different that the living entity is right. seeking. But in reality, all desires are coming because there's a perception living entity is have, getting. Like if I do have this desire, it will make me happy. Mm. And the true desire is when it's in constitutional position, nice. like you already covered. You know, when the living entity is in one interest with Krishna's interest, right. seeking Krishna's pleasure, that's when it really gets the satisfaction of mm. that. Uh, yeah, so that, um, thank you for bringing that. We are pleasure-seeking by nature. Our very essence is pleasure-seeking. So the question is, where do you get, as they would say in America, where do you get your kicks from? Where, where do you get your pleasure? Right? And we say it's really nice. You get to, you get to sit down. If you're, if you're initiated, you, sit, you get to sit down and you get to uh, meditate for two hours a day on Krishna's name, which is non-different from Krishna. You get to chant, you get to dance, you get to take wonderful food stuff that's been offered to Krishna, you get to talk, I mean, you know, philosophy, you know, you go to universities these days, you start talking philosophy, you say, hey man, don't lay that trip on my head, you know, right, right, because, you know, people aren't re used to reading books anymore, they read the first two lines of a, uh, first two paragraphs of a website and then go to another one, you know, but... It's actually a really um, wonderful way of finding pleasure in spirituality. <laughs> yeah. Any other thoughts on desire? Yes. So what I'm understanding is, um, as a devotee, like walking on a wall, almost like a pole. We're walking wall. on a wall? Yeah, and walking on a wire with a big pole. Like I'm just seeing an analogy that like, one side is pure Krishna and the other side is like material world. Um, we are walking on a wall like, um, you know, with, the, with the both the sides, like right. just leading our life. And sometimes this and sometimes that. So, um, is there is, I see it's more difficult than the normal, normal person. The normal person on the other side <laughs> where have no connection on this and a pure devotee will be on this side where like, you know, nothing worried about the other side. Um, but like, is there, is, is there like, you know, always both the sides are getting pulled, like, you know, you're having a pole and you like, have to balance and then walk. Well, so is this how it's all <laughs> going to be like all along? Or no. <laughs> In your analogy, uh, the, pro the issue is that we like to, we, we kind of, let's face it, if we're honest with ourselves, we like to have a foot in both boats or on both sides of the wall, <laughs> you know, yes, Krishna, you know, <laughs> like that. Um, but the, the one, no, the, it's not, um, the, the advantage we have, and it's not, it's not just like a small advantage, the in, inconceivable advantage we have is Krishna's compassion and, and kindness and the kindness of devotees. Uh, Krishna says so many times in Bhagavad Gita, one, ananyas chintayantamam yejana payupasate tesham nitya pajuktanam yoga shema mahamyam. He said, I, to those who are even trying to be devotees, I preserve what they have, I carry what they lack. Right? He says, yeyatamam prapajante. As you, you take one step towards me, I take a thousand steps towards you. Um, and there's so many promises like that. Kontaya pratijanihi name bhakta pranashati. You know, declare it boldly, Arjuna, that my devotees never perished. So we have, 
you know, the example that, you know, of, uh, is it the same in South India? You're from South India, you're from South India. In North India, when you see bicyclists, they're holding onto the back of uh, a tractor or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Where are you from, sir? Okay, so also in Chennai they do? Like that? So the, that's the example that's sometimes given, right? So, and you see the guy's just whistling and holding on. Doesn't have, it's not building up a sweat at all and it's going three times faster than you normally would, right? So that's kind of what we're doing when we become devotees. We're, we're grabbing onto Krishna's energy and he's helping us along. With our own spiritual muscles, we can only go so far. Um, but when we're... Uh, uh, plugging into the source of all energy, then things become uh, easier. One who, what is that? One who remembers Lord Chaitanya, the most difficult thing can become easy. Right? So, so I remember, anytime I'm in India and I see that uh, NH2 is the highway between, uh, the old highway, now there's a new one, but the old highway between Vrindavan and Delhi, and you see it a lot there. I guess you have to be careful that they stop short quickly. <laughs> Is that all right? Yes, thank you. Other thoughts on desires? Okay. When one deviates from his original consciousness, he loses the capacity to remember his previous position or recognize his present one. When remembrance is lost, all knowledge acquired is based on a false foundation. When this occurs, learned scholars consider that the soul is lost. Continuing. And I thought this, this, is what, this next verse is such an important verse, the, the translation. It says, there is no strong, excuse me, I'm getting all choked up about this verse. There is no stronger obstruction to one's self-interest than thinking other subject matters to be more pleasing than one's self-realization. Repeat that again. There's no stronger obstruction to one's self-interest. In other words, what's really good for us than thinking other subject matters to be more pleasing than one's self-realization. And we're, you know, I always, you know, laugh like, you know, we, we're tested, right? If we go, if we went into a uh, uh, doctor's office and we were in the waiting room and there was a Bhagavad Gita and a Time magazine, which one would we pick up? <laughs> Right, but uh, this is something to deeply contemplate. This verse, it's not, it's not, you know, it's, yes, it's kind of cute, and you go on to the next verse. But it's, it's a, it's, it's very profound that it's they're saying that we have self-interest, and so the the implication here is that we may not always be aware of our own self-interest, right? And there's no greater problem, obstruction to our self-interest than to think. Other subject matters are more pleasing than one's spiritual pursuits. And I think we're all tested like that, you know, especially, again, because there's, how many websites are there? Some billion number? Yeah, right? There's so many that are, <laughs> there's so many other interests. And to, uh, to take the time in our life, at least to be regulated, to find some time every day for our spiritual pursuits. Whether we take 10 minutes to read the Bhagavad Gita, or 20 minutes, or a half hour, or an hour. If you read the, if you read the Bhagavatam 
for a little bit more than an hour every day, 41 pages, you can finish the entire Bhagavatam in a year. If you become that disciplined, that still leaves us 23 hours to do all kinds of other stuff. You take an hour to read the Bhagavatam every day, 18,000 verses. Katam Hogya, finished in uh, one year. You read it a half hour, two years, like that, you know, like that. But it's, um, so a practical application to this, again, is not take sannyas, put on saffron in just 24 hours a day, you know, right? That may not be what any, of, any people in this room, can you do that? <laughs> no, your wife's here, she'd be very upset. Uh, <laughs> Um, but we can, w the way we can apply it is dedicate some time to our spirituality. And it depends on our, our level of interest in Krishna consciousness and our level of commitment and, our, and, and also the, 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 uh, where we are in our life, right? Like I'm, I'm almost 61 now, so I'm trying to look at how now in my later years I can spend more time on Krishna conscious, less time on things like economic development and things like that, right? Um, but whatever it is, to find time so that we're really honoring this verse, that we're finding time every day to focus on what's said here, self-realization or God-realization. And then if we want to add to that, making sure that time is quality time, right? We talk about that, uh, you, know, you know, spending quality time with your spouse or quality time with your children, right? So that doesn't mean, you know, you go to the playground with your kids and your whole time you're, right? So, you know, I've been finding uh, real inspiration in, um, lot, lot, two weeks ago I was driving, uh, I put over 1,400 miles in a week because I was uh, driving all over Native American country in um, Arizona and New Mexico. So I, had the, I bought this little machine in uh, Mayapur that has all the Prabhupada's lectures on it. So I was playing that during the car ride. And one, one lecture I got so inspired, I think I heard it f six times. I just found it so, um, it really hit me where I'm at right now in my, you know. Um, but it was, it was such a, Nice. It was, I would like look forward to the long drives, you know. Through, through actually, some of the country is pretty. It's quite pretty there, but some of it's just like flat, nothing. Um, but somehow or other, we find time to uh, focus on our Krishna consciousness. Some thoughts on this? Yes, Nandamukhi, microphone for her. Hold it like yes. Perfect. Just a quick comment. That's a very quick comment. This verse we mentioned a moment ago reminded me of another verse. It's also in Bhagavatam, Canto 2, in the beginning. What verse? It, I can't remember the chapter number, but the verse goes like, what is the use of a prolonged life? Uh -huh. Wasted, inexperienced by years in this world. You got it pretty accurate. Let's see. Uh, what? Where is that from? Is it can, it's chapter Canto two, isn't Canto it? Canto two, yeah. Chapter one. Chapter. You got it. You're getting it. 
Really? What does the Bible say? But there a moment of full consciousness where it gives one a start for searching for his supreme interest. Yeah, he'll, you'll find it, right, Ma Mantra? And what does the Bible say? Microphone. What does it avail a man if he gains a fortune and loses his soul? Soul, yes. All right. Oh, I think I found, uh, it may be 2318. No, that's a different one. Actually, it's, a, it's in a similar line, though. It says that both by rising and setting, the sun decreases the duration of life of everyone, except one who uses the time by discussing the topics of the all-good personality of Godhead. And then, do the trees not live? Do the bellows of the blacksmith not breathe? All around us, do the beasts not eat and discharge semen? Men who are like dogs, hogs, camels, and asses, praise those men who never listen to the transcendental pastimes of Lord Sri Krishna, the deliverer from evils. Anyway, it goes on like that. And Mahamatra will find the verse by uh, the year 2020. You gave up, okay. But you, you pretty much nailed it. You might have gotten one word different there, but you, you got it. Yeah. What is it? Okay. What is the value of a prolonged life which is wasted, inexperienced by years in this world? Better a moment of full consciousness because that gives one a start in searching after the supreme interest. Thank you. Very good. So, yeah, ultimately, Matsu, you have a question? Did you have your hand? Yes. Microphone. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Um, you said about um, reading so many pages of Bhagavatam every day could complete in so much time. Right. Um, so, and again, you mentioned about the quality of reading. Yes. So, uh, at my stage, uh, even though I set some goals and read, but when uh, reading in association is different and reading personally, I may not be able to have um, quality at all. Um, so it becomes um, discouraging, and uh, later I lose interest. Um, and sometimes I feel maybe the subject matter is uh, something I can't understand. Right. But sometimes if I read a book, a self-help book, say I get right. attracted to some self-help book, and I'm able to read it, or a technical book, I'm able to read it because if I like that subject. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes I feel I get some kind of, I'm able to give a quality time with that book rather than um, a spiritual book, even though I understand that's more important. Right. Um, so how do we... Well, that, thank you for your honesty. That's actually really helpful. To, um, and it's a long discussion in one sense, but um, there's so many ways to answer that. One, one is that, uh, I think we asked this last week, who here has had jaundice in their life? Was it fun? No, <laughs> no. Um, is it true that sweet things don't taste sweet? Yes, okay. So our great Acharya Rupa Goswami gives the example of jaundice, right? That we are, we are jaundice-like 
in the beginning, but that by regularly, they, they apparently, I, I did have jaundice once also in Vrindavan, um, by regularly taking sugar candy, it's one of the cures. I don't know if it's the only cure, there's others, right? But, uh, and gradually the sweetness comes about. So that's one answer that um, we, so, you know, there's, there's intellectually understanding something's good for us and then experiencing the good, right? So sometimes we have to a little bit on the intellectual platform say, okay, yes, if I read the Bhagavatam every day, it'll be good for me. I'd rather read, uh, you know, the seven habits of highly effective people, but I'm going to read the, the Bhagavatam anyway. And, and if, if the sages are right, gradually we, 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 we get a taste, we get a taste for that. Um, now, reading certain books like like I like I I I got a lot of inspiration out of the Seven Habits of Highly Effective. It's an older book now, but Stephen Covey, uh, and his Principles Centered Leadership and um, First Things First, another book he wrote. Um, because, but I I connected it to Krishna consciousness. You know, I, I applied it in my life in such a way as in my service to Krishna. So, you know, I was dovetailing it like that. So I did find them inspirational. Um, another thing I, another way I think about it sometimes is in the fourth chapter of the Gita, Krishna talks about when you uh, worship the demigods, you get very quick results, right? Whereas worshiping him, it's, it's a little more dire dire, right? Um, so, so, you know, there, there's, there's the bodily, platform, there's the mental platform, there's the intellectual platform, there's the spiritual platform, right? So, the, so a self-help book, um, it, uh, it hits us in the mental and intellectual, right? Um, and, and you can, you know, you can read something about, uh, you know, first things first, right? To uh, what does Covey talk about? You know, the four quadrants of uh, uh, unimportant and not urgent not urgent and important, important and urgent, and there's one other, right? The, the, the matrix, right? And his point is, and it's interesting because you could apply this to reading the Bhagavatam, his point is that we, we focus on the urgent. Even if we focus on us important and urgent, we don't, we, we, um, we don't spend a lot of time on the urgent, not urgent, but important, right? And that's things like taking care of your health. Right? You don't, you're not going to die today if you don't exercise, probably, right? Or you're not going to die today if you have uh, five gulab jamans and, uh, and kheer instead of any sabji and rice. Right? You know, you know, you'll still live tomorrow, right? But, it, but the accumulative effect is very, you know, the, so that, that's why it's not urgent, but it's important. And there's things that are like that in our life. Like, for example, we were talking about spending time with our, with our, you know, in our, as our duty with our family and with our children. That's not urgent. Your, your wife or your husband's not going to walk out tomorrow if you, uh, <laughs> if you don't talk to them, but it has an accumulative effect, right? So similarly, we could apply Covey's thing to our reading the Bhagavatam. It's not urgent, but it's important. And we find, he calls it quadrant two. And I'm only using the example of one self-help book. Because it's finding time for quadrant two. And where do you get that time? Usually from quadrant three and quadrant four. Quadrant three is urgent but not important. And quadrant four is not urgent and not important. Television, things like that. Right. 
uh, junk mail and things like that. So that's where, those two quadrants, that's where you find the time for quadrant two. Because quadrant one, you basically have to do uh, urgent and important. We have to take care of it. Our boss asks us to do something, we do. We get a flat tire, we got to fix it. You know? so, you gotta, so, so we can take those self-help things and then apply it to our, uh, our intellectual understanding of the Bhagavatam and, and gradually get that taste. And like you said, sometimes that, for different people, it's different. Not everyone, I find, not everyone gets that inspiration, yes, the 41 pages a day. Some people, um, uh, Buri Jampu wrote this uh, essay called Prayerful Reading, where you read very little, but you actually, like, you just read one sentence, you just read, like, that one, and you meditate on it for five or ten minutes, or, or longer, you know, you know and, and then you go to the next, you can read it slowly, and just try to digest it, so different different shlokes for different folks, right? Like that. Um, <clears throat> but if we accept, at least theoretically, that what the, these great sages are telling us is true, then we find a way to apply that so then we get the experience, the realization. Is that all right? Make sense? Didn't mean to give a Stephen Covey uh, class, but... but uh, yeah, and I'm using uh, also David Allen's book, um, what's it called? It's in my backpack. No, um, he's the guy on time management. That um, getting thing, getting things done, getting things done. Uh, it's a little more complicated than the Covey system, but I'm finding it helpful again, and I'm trying to apply it as a devotee. But it's a good book. I think it's called Getting Things Done. G T D. Getting things done. It's a whole system. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Yes, Jiva. Hare Krishna. So it's very interesting, like, you know, when you... The important is that you start reading the yeah. scriptures. Because uh, there have been so many examples. We were talking about, like, what is the motivation? We were having a group discussion at Ishtagoshti. What's your motivation for reading scriptures? Because some people were really getting discouraged. So we brought in, you know, people who are reading, let's share what our motivation is. And somebody said, I want to understand more about, you know, our human history. And another person said, I want to be more sincere in my devotional service to be able to understand how great the God is. Means again, from their different perspective. And then there were two brahmacharis, uh, they were like shying away. So one of them said, actually, that's how he came into Krishna consciousness is, he wanted to, he was picking up uh, different religious scriptures to literally make joke of, right? Like Achha. literally go negative. <laughs> so, yeah, so he wanted to do the same thing for Bhagavad Gita. So he started reading it from start to end. By the time he ended, he had become a devotee. There you go. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, Krishna is so broad-minded. <laughs> he says, Akama sava kamava moksha kama udharati trivyena bhakti yogena yajeta purushambri. He said, look, if you... If you approach Krishna with akama, no desires except to please him. Sarva kama, you know, Krishna, I love you, but I need that Maserati. You know, I need that house. I need, the, you know, uh, uh, moksha kama, Krishna, you know, I just want to get liberated from all this misery. Krishna, as long as you approach me, I'll take care of the rest. You know, he's very broad-minded. You don't, and in, in the beginning, we don't usually just approach Krishna. I just want to serve you doesn't matter anything else just want right but we get purified as 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 the time goes on 
So, uh, so Krishna's very kind that he, he looks beyond our motivation. It's like, it's like a good, a good uh, supervisor or a good parent, right? They see the potential in someone, and they, they, they know that they're not there yet, and they know that they, you know, they got some kinks and, and this problem, but they see the potential, and they fan that spark, right? So Krishna does that for every living entity. He even takes one step towards him. And he, he knows that our potential is to love him, and he fans that spark. And he, he, he looks past our lust, our greed, our avarice, our blah, 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 because we all have so much, you know, dirt in the heart, and he sees the potential, and he fans that spark. So that's also us when we're trying to, you know, giving people a chance to hear about Krishna. We, if there's a little spark, we fan that. And eventually a spark can, we all know, I, I deal a lot with um, natural disasters, especially this is fire season, right? So at any given time, there's 400, 500 huge fires in America, most of them in Alaska. And a lot of them are, are caused by, you know, a spark or just a lightning bolt and, and you know, we read about the ones in California, but there's ton Alaska's like practically the size of America right there. There's so many fires that go on there. And they often, you know, or even some of the fires, that the terrible ones in California, I think they were started like by a cigarette butt or something like really insignificant. So, TK? Other thoughts on this? For humans, is that what we're up to, 33? Okay, for human society, constantly thinking of how to earn money and apply it for sense gratification brings about the destruction of everyone's interests. When one becomes devoid of knowledge uh, and devotional service, he enters into the species of life like those of trees and stones. Those who strongly desire to cross the ocean of nescience must not associate with the mode of, modes of ignorance. For hedonistic activities are the greatest obstructions to realization of religious principles, economic development, regulated sense gratification, and at last, liberation. So let's read this purport a little bit. The four principles of life allow one to live according to religious principles. So this is Dharma, Artha, Kam, Moksha. Right? We're familiar with that progression, right? Okay. Because they, they allow us to live according to religious principles, earn money according to one's position in society, and allow the senses to enjoy the sense objects according to regulations, and to progress along the path of liberation from material attachment. As long as the body is there, it is not possible to become completely free from all these material interests. It is not, however, recommended that one act only for sense gratification and earn money for that purpose only, sacrificing all religious principles. At the present moment, human civilization does not care for religious principles. It is, however, greatly interested in economic development without religious principles. Okay. Um, and Paul gives us nice. He says, similarly, although the government may license liquor shops, this does not mean that liquor shops should be open unrestrictedly and illicit liquor smuggled. Remember, Prabhupada grew up in a time when, uh, like in America, there was prohibition in the 1920s. Right, so you, and there was all these speakeasies and places where you could buy liquor, but illegally. So Prabhupada was born in '96. Is that right? I mean, 1896. So you know, he 
was aware that there was illicit liquor at that time. We don't think about it so much now because you just go to, if you're from Virginia, what is it, ABC or something like that? Yeah. Or here, I don't know what it's like in uh, <coughs> Maryland. But this, I, I like this sentence. I hadn't thought about this before. He said, no one has to take a license for sugar, <laughs> right? Or wheat or milk. <laughs> you don't have to be 21. Do you ever, could I see your card before you buy that milk? <laughs> right? no, nobody does that, right? <laughs> because there is no need to restrict these things. In other words, it is advised that one not act in a way that will obstruct the regular progress of advancement in spiritual life or liberation. Mm. So I was thinking that when you think about at least three of the four uh, principles that we follow, right? There's restrictions on gambling, right? You can't just open up, a, you know, there's, there's, you have to have a license, right, um, for that. Um, and there's restrictions on, on intoxication, right? Even in states that it's, that marijuana is uh, uh, legalized, you're supposed to buy it, you're not supposed, there's people who sell it illegally cheaper or whatever, right? So there's restrictions on that. And there's restrictions on, um, in society, certainly many restrictions on sex with minors and this and that, right? There's some, you know, right? Um, meat eating, maybe not. But at least three out of the four uh, principles that we've we follow, uh, there's restrictions on them. And I, I just think, you know, sometimes Prabhupada would say things that I just didn't think of. Yeah, of course, you don't need a license for sugar. <laughs> but you do need a license for these different illicit things, right? What's that? Vices, thank you very much. Yes, vices, yes. It's, 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 uh, it's interesting. So in this verse, picking up on the mood of the translation, Prabhupada is saying, yes, okay, that you have this, you can, you, there is dharma, artha, kam, moksha, right? But it should be done according to religious principles and not just do it, you know, their dharma, artha, kam, they're, they're put in such a way as there are certain restrictions in each of those to do them in a Vedic way or to do them in a, in a way that doesn't harm oneself karmically or what to speak of harming others, right? So it's very interesting because that's juxtaposition that with the next verses. Um, out of the four principles, namely religion, economic development, sense gratification, and liberation, dharma, artha, kam, moksha, liberation has to be taken very seriously. The other three are subject to destruction by the, law, by the stringent law of nature called death. So in this, in the end of this purport, Prabhupada says, one should therefore seek the shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and engage in his devotional service. That is real liberation. The conclusion is that we should not stress pious activities, economic development, and sense gratification, as said in the last verse but should concern ourselves with approaching Lord Vishnu and his spiritual planets, of which the topmost is Goloka Vrindavan, where Lord Krishna lives. Therefore, this Krishna conscious movement is the greatest gift for persons who are actually desiring liberation. So the point there is that, yes, we can live a pious life. That's good. Right? But we said earlier, the Bhagavatam is really ultimately trying to bring us to this like ecstatic love, prema bhakti. Jai Sisi Gornitai, Shishi Radhas, Madan Mohan, Sitaram, Lakshman Hanuman, Ki Jai. So, um, that's ultimately where we're going to be happy. Not even just following Dharma art, but just Bhakti. That's, that's really, that is the, uh, 
the elevator, right? They're, they're just about, they're soon going to reopen the uh, Washington Monument, or did they already do it? I think it's soon. It's coming out. I, uh, I should know. I work with the Park Service. <laughs> but anyway, um, so you can walk up, and that's good for your health, I guess. Yeah, those stairs, I think, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, the elevator's a lot quicker, <laughs> right? So you can take the stairs, or you can take the elevator is bhakti yoga. The elevator is chanting Krishna's name, uh, especially these five things, chanting Krishna's name, hearing the Bhagavatam, associating with devotees, seeing and offering uh, worship to the deities, and either living in a holy place or making your home a holy place, or visiting a holy place like this temple. And those are very potent ways to um, even transcend the regular path of dharma, artha, kam, moksha. So that is ultimately what the Bhagavatam is, is teaching us. Any thoughts on that? Oh, I'll read one more, the next verse, and then we'll talk about that, and then we'll end for the day because it's almost time is up. We accept the blessing, uh, per translation, we accept as blessings different stages of higher life, distinguishing them from lower states of life. But we should know that such distinctions, distinctions exist only in relation to the interchange of the modes of material nature. Actually, these states have no permanent existence, for all of them will be destroyed by the Supreme Controller by time. So yes, we, you know, we all know, like everyone in this room is an educated person, right? Um, so we're fortunate in that regard, right? That we're educated, that we're not, uh, you know, we know in, in, in India and in, in America also in so many places, places that people live very poorly or, or are uneducated and live, you know, in a squalid condition sometimes and things like that. When you fly into Bombay, you know, right as you're flying in, you look out the window and there's, you know, one of the uh, biggest slums in the world, right? Slum dog millionaire, someone saw this show, right? Um, and, that's, and, and, and it is good to want to uplift people. And a matter of fact, you know, organizations like the kind that Vishnu works with tries to uplift people in those situations. And, um, but we should also remember, and Prabhupada writes, therefore we should not be satisfied simply by being promoted to a higher plant, like at this life going to Swarga. We should try to get out of the material cosmic manifestation and go to the spiritual world and take shelter of the Supreme Personality of God. That is our highest achievement. We should not be attracted by anything material, higher or lower, but should consider them all on the same level. Our real engagement should be in inquiring about the real purpose of life and rendering devotional service to the Lord. This will be eternally, the, uh, thus we will be eternally blessed in our spiritual activities full of knowledge and bliss. So, last comments, questions? on this point about the juxtaposition between piety and, you know, cent percent spirituality. Hmm. Microphone? Somewhere? I just, you read that, but I, I also under, underscored that the conclusion is that we should not stress pious activities, economic development, or sense gratification. <laughs> So it was such a remarkable statement. His conclusion was, he was throwing it in a bag with like sex, drugs, and rock and roll, <laughs> pious activities. But don't we spend a lot of time on pious activities? Well, yes. Uh, you know, you have to um, understand everything in context. So yes, we do want to do, you know, as Prabhupada would say, a devotee generally acts in the mode of goodness. So, 
So pious activities includes doing well, doing helping other people, even you know little things, opening the doors for others, right? And and uh, and living and being clean inside and outside, and keeping our car clean and our house clean and all that sort of stuff, right? Talking about temple rituals. No, not talking about just temple general rituals. good behavior. Yes, living, yes. Uh, good, so, good so dharma, artha, kama, and moksha. Um, for example, in in a, in a traditional Vedic society, uh, it was actually I'll make um, I'll end on this note. It was uh, when my son got married recently, and the the devotee pre, uh, priest, because um, part a lot of the things in 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 the ritual in the ritual in the process they talk about things like you know may you be prosperous and have men you know make a lot of wealth and so my brother is not um, uh, my, my brother and my wife's family who were not you know uh, devotees they were I thought you guys you know really spiritualist why why all this about wealth well because it's it's a it's a societal thing right that in the in, a, in the traditional society there were brahmacharis krihastas vanaprasas and sannyasis and only the krihastas made money Right, the vanaprasas, you know, were retired. The sannyasis, of course, not the brahmacharis, were young students. But the grihastas, they they were they were basically the economic engine for all of society. So they were making money, not just so they could get you know a house in North Potomac, but uh, they were they were they were giving charity and taking care of all the other parts of society. So it was good that they were prosperous from a societal point of view. So sometimes, you know, in the Bhagavatam, we hear just about, you know, drop everything, you know, pure devotional service, and also sometimes Prabhupada's looking, taking like a step back and looking at what would be helpful for humanity at large. And you have to make sometimes a distinction of when he's talking about what. So we are done for today. Thank you very much. Um, we do have class next week. I will, Krishna willing, I will be in town.